0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Across the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com uh, where you'll find everything, I mean everything, Live Livestream, uh, social media links, uh, podcasts, the whole schmear out there at michaeldukeshow.com. Also broadcasting each and every day uh, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator. Good morning, and welcome to the program. It is, uh, it, it's Tuesday, and sorry, I just read a comment. <laughs> One of the people in the chat room just said, I need to cool my coffee so I can pour it into my eyes. Is it that really? Is it that bad? I mean, it's Tuesday. It's not Monday. Do you really need to pour your coffee into your eyes? Some days I feel that so much, so much. Uh, But not today. Not today. Today is is a new day. Today is Tuesday, and we are ready to go and rock and roll and do all our things. And man, so much good stuff. So much good stuff. Um, Tuesday means uh, well. For one thing, we're going to get into the weekly top three, uh, which is uh, presented by our friend Brad Keithley from Alaskans for <clears throat> Sustainable Budgets. He's going to be joining us this morning. And today, we're going to cover uh, the big, uh, the big, the big three. The big three. Uh, some uh, topics. Um, Topics include uh, some people not understanding the depth of our fiscal problem, uh, then uh, where the budget is actually headed, and number three on the weekly top three is how Burt Stedman's version of SB 107 isn't about paying for a 50-50 PFD. It's about killing it. It's about burying it. And so we're going to talk those three things with Brad Keithley here in just a little bit. And we'll be covering all that and then some. Then in hour two, uh, we'll have some recaps, some more discussions, and we will continue on with Chris story, the man from Homer, who will come in and uh, give us our weekly life coaching lesson. I don't know what the what the I don't know what the mission's going to be today. Uh, but uh, he's going to have something for us that will boost us and build us up, Buttercup. That's what build us up, Buttercup. Um. So that's uh, that's the program for today. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we'll have Mike Shower on and uh, maybe one other. We are trying to get. I'm trying to get uh, somebody from the Finance Committee on in the House because the House has finally passed their. Uh, Budget over to the Senate and we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Uh, But that's the that's the plan anyway. And then we'll see. We'll see what goes on um, later on in the week. I have I have nothing for Thursday as of right this hot second. But we're 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 working on it. We're working on it. Uh, Okay. So that's the that's the it's the news that's the thing we got just a couple headlines that I thought we'd dive into uh, first and foremost and see what's going on. Interesting story um, from the from KTU. I don't know how many of you are last minute Charlies when it comes time to um, when it comes time to filing your taxes. I am pretty consistently a last-minute guy uh, in those kind of things. I think, in part, it has to do with my reticence to because taxation is theft and I'm just like, er. So I seems like I'm always waiting to the last minute uh, to, uh, to get the taxes in and do all that stuff uh, simply because it antagonizes me, I think, more than anything else. Uh, for those of you who are early birds and the second you get your W-2s in from the previous year, you run right down and get them done. Well, you may want to go check in with your tax preparer or your tax professional, or if you do them yourself, you may want to file an amended tax return because the IRS issued an updated bulletin on Friday, last Friday, uh, one business day before the taxes were due. Uh, They issued an updated bulletin in response to Alaska residents uh, who had already filed their tax return. Because they uh, are making the uh, Alaska energy relief payment, which was six hundred and sixty two dollars and nineteen cents. That was the amount of the <clears throat> excuse me of the energy relief payment, that that portion of it was not would be tax exempt, would not be taxable. Um, the PFD total PFD payout was thirty two hundred and eighty four dollars. Uh, $662.19 of that was not taxable. So if you've got a, a married couple, you're talking about $1,300 and change. That was not a taxable income. And so if you didn't account for that, you may want to. The total taxable amount per dividend now, $2,621.81. So it, uh, it can cause a shift. It can cause a shift, maybe only a few bucks, maybe a hundred bucks, maybe, maybe more, depending on what your income level is. But, uh, I mean, good to know that, the, that they are Johnny on the spot with that information. Just clarifying that uh, you may want to, that you may want to go back to your tax preparer and uh, discuss your next steps with that tax professional. That's what they said on Friday. Um, they added that they may also issue further guidance about this issue, which I mean I I don't know what kind of further guidance you could issue since you had to have everything in yesterday. But hey, woof. Right? This sto- this story came out. This story came out uh late yesterday. Um about four o'clock four o'clock in the afternoon yesterday on uh ktu's website the alaska news source that this was going on now the original stories back in february apparently they were clarifying it i hadn't seen a thing about it but apparently that was it so they're so they're trying to clarify the issue apparently clear as much this is why they needed the 80 billion dollars to be able to make sure that they were clear in their communications with the public clear in their community surprisingly enough The office of the – they had an audit from the OMB, um, or maybe it was the OIG's office. I can't remember. I was just reading the article yesterday uh, from Reason Magazine. Uh, And they were talking about all these problems and um, all these um, mistakes that were being made by taxpayers as they were putting these things together. And the OIG's office or whoever it was said – you guys should really track this stuff because some of this is just because of the confusion of how complex a tax code is and all this other kind of stuff. And you guys should track it so that you can fix your processes. And the IRS said, no, no, thanks. We've got it covered. <laughs> I mean, that was the little, that was the literal response. Nah, we're good. <laughs> That's why they needed $80 billion right there. That was the reason, right? there. Boy, I'm glad I don't live in Anchorage. Uh, they have they snuck in a new resolution, um, that's going to be heard tonight. It's, uh, it's a late on the table item, which means it's a last minute addition to the assembly's agenda. Um, those are supposed to be for matters that simply cannot wait to be included on the agenda in a timely manner. Um, The previous assembly chair people have said that the late on the table ad must have a compelling reason for being put on the agenda so late. This one is not so, I guess, compelling. It's a resolution that talks about it cracks down on um, misinformation, disinformation or what they consider to be hateful speech uh, in the assembly chambers during public testimony. This, I mean, this just looks just just looks like a, it just looks like a way to try and muzzle people for saying things that you don't agree with. Uh, the resolution, which is offered by Robin Dern, who's a temporary assembly member who the assembly appointed to fill out the final weeks of Rep. Jamie Allard's term in office, uh, gives the assembly cover to label people who disagree with assembly members as spreading disinformation, Misinformation or dangerous conspiracies. Any discussion on electoral misconduct or anything else, this basically just gives them carte blanche to shut people down. I mean, wow. Just, just, just wow. I mean, it's the cornerstone of, you know, free speech is like the cornerstone of our entire way of life. And these people, Definitely don't want your speech to be free. They want to <clears throat> control it. So it's uh, it's 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 a little crazy. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, the ordinance is an ordinance of the Anchorage Assembly amending Anchorage Municipal Code to recognize the decision-making authority of the assembly with respect to uncodified mayoral directives, policies, and procedures. And other uncodified policies and administrative practices as applied to the legislative branch. That's that's kind of what the. I'm just glad I don't live in Anchorage. That's just I'm just glad. And if you needed another reason why you again should consider pulling your kids out of public school and putting them in some other kind of learning program, the public testimony. For HB 105, which was held on Thursday night, um, had just a tremendous amount of clogged phone lines with teachers who testified that they have the right and duty to keep matters secret between parents and their kids. To keep them the, the, the kids from their parents. They insisted that uh, minors have the right to change their names at schools without their parents knowing about it. That boys with uh, with the boy parts should be allowed to use female bathrooms and locker rooms without their parent knowing about it. They insist. I mean, they basically once kids put their children in school, you have to trust the teachers to have confidential talks with the children. And no matter whatever the subject is, it's all parents just shouldn't know. That's what this. That's what this testimony was all about. Over and over and over again. And uh only about thirty-six Alaskans spoke out in favor of the parental rights in education, and a flood of teachers, LGBTQ advocates, and parents of transgenders were taking over the phone lines. There were just dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Like I said, at some point I just throw my hands up in the air and go, Nope. Not gonna have that fight anymore. Not gonna have that fight. They just, you know, they're better organized. They're better put together. They've got the kumbaya spirit. That's all that's happening right there. You can still fight the fight. I'm just not going to have my kids in the crossfire while you do it. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. We'll return to Brad Keithley right after this.
0: Wow. Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio.
2: Yeah, that's not happening in my neck of the woods. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Imagine how much you would hate tax day if Alaska had an income tax, Donna. This is true. I mean, I'm still going to be resistant to it no matter what happens. Um. All right, let me go back over here. Um. Uh. Let's see. I'm just still going through this. Can't afford to spend time on this nonsense, and yet he's here every day. <laughs> um. All right. <clears throat> uh, let's see what a bunch of dictators, dictators, dictate what I don't, I don't know. My husband got shut down on the Fairbanks North Scarborough school board when he was reading a book from the school library, says Jennifer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, teachers generally can be trusted. General administrators, not so much the higher up the food chain you go, the less worthy. Um okay teachers and say all right he was a board member he was a board member when he was reading a book from the school library and he got shut down says jennifer dang uh is the deadline today i swear i walked around all day yesterday and thought it was yesterday so hey good for us good for us if it was today um okay i think we got everything all squared away I say, since I've got nothing else to talk about this morning, let's just go over to Brad. Let's let Brad fill the silence. We'll let Brad fill the silence (laughs) uh, of everything. Good morning, sir. How are are you? Good
1: morning, Michael. I'm doing great today. How about you? (laughs) Well, I already know how you're
2: doing. (laughs) I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, I've, I've got the answer.
1: I've got the answer. Yes. Today is filing day. Okay. And it's, And it's because the 17th which you would normally think would be it the first day after the weekend the filing day can't be on a day on which there is a federal holiday and the district of columbia on the 17th observes emancipation day and because of that okay uh, the filing day got moved to the 18th
2: yeah because the district of because the a,
1: District of Columbia is a federal federal Yeah,
2: because it originally was the 17th, right? I mean, I saw the notation a while back that it was on the seventh so, so they must have changed it afterward. I don't know. Who knows? They keep <laughs> changing the rules on me, Brad. I'm trying to comply, but you know, they just can't. Whatever. Well, I was curious about that myself, so I so I dug into it. You dug into it and figured it out. All right. Um <laughs> I just you know, I'm just shaking my head. This Anchorage, you live in Anchorage. I mean, do you watch what's going on with this assembly? Do you, ha- I mean, what are your thoughts on something like this? When they're like, okay, now we're going to police the speech. Now we're going to, you said something that I don't agree with and you criticized me. How dare you criticize me? Uh, I mean, that that just seems to be the, seems to be some pretty thin skin going on around there. Ah. I agree, but we
1: keep electing an assembly here that is um, it, that that does that sort of thing. So, I mean, I personally, I would prefer that we not that we not go that direction. But you know, we do have a democracy, so we keep electing assembly members that that engage in that sort of activity.
2: Yeah. I uh, I guess that's I, what the majority of Anchorageites want. Huh? Is uh, they just they they're happy with it i mean i keep watching the returns from these things and i go oh ah oh okay i mean i'm i'm glad again i'm glad i don't live down in anchorage directly because my property tax is not contributing to that madness
3: yeah the
1: problem the problem is we've become way polarized i mean i'm not i I don't have any great insights on the municipal government but we've become way polarized right you either vote Extreme left or you vote extreme right. And, you know, and so we've got people who are who are being given not great choices uh, in terms of in terms of which way you
2: go. Yeah. And it's, well, I mean, that's the thing The people in the middle, I think a lot of times are just throwing their hands up in the air and walked away and be like, I'm not participating in this madness anymore. So. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, Brad Lee, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Please like and share, like and follow. Let's get it done. Here we go. The Michael Luke Show. Well, uh, we continue now this morning, the weekly top three, uh, the big three items on the agenda from Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He joins us every day, obviously an organization dedicated to sustainable budgets. That's what it's it's kind of self-explanatory, Brad. Good job on naming it. That was a great deal. He is the founder and director, and every week we come in to talk about three big items. Uh, Good morning, Brad. How you doing, my friend?
1: Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you?
2: You know, uh, no, no complaints this morning. No complaints. Um, nobody listens anyway. Uh, so let's uh, let's get started here. It's, I mean, it's true, right? I mean, it's true. Nobody really cares. Uh, oh, the kids, the kids, the kids listen. Your dog listens. My dog <laughs> listens. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's start off here in the weekly top three. We got a lot to cover. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it an hour. I might have to nail you down and get you into hour two but let's see uh first thing is is that nobody really understands the problem nobody really seems uh, apparently from what we're seeing in the headlines and everything else some just not understanding the depth of the fiscal problem uh let's get started uh let's get started on that well in the anchorage
1: daily news uh we talked about uh, matt berman uh, icer professor matt berman's piece uh last week uh op-ed piece where he talked about what his proposed solution to uh the fiscal uh, uh problems and i think it's a great i think matt's has a great solution i wrote about it on friday in the alaska landmine column but in response to that <clears throat> al belay who i know uh, and respect generally uh, wrote an op-ed that said that was headlined an even better way to balance Alaska's budget, and it's a it's an idea. His idea is one that's been bouncing around a lot. Uh, others have expressed it as well, and that is to means test or needs test uh, the PFD. That the PFD would not be given to everyone; it would only be given to those that fall below a certain category. the The people are a certain income level. the, the people that 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 believe in that. Uh, I think have the have the impression that if the top 20%, for example, just gave up their PFD uh, or the top 25% would give up their PFD, it'd it all be over. You know, that'd satisfy the deficit and uh, and everybody could have their PFD and, and we'd, we'd go along fat and happy. That's not true. That's not even close to being true. Uh, I did a piece a while back that I went back and did the meth- took the methodology, updated the numbers. And and here's here's what we're facing. We're facing over the next ten years a deficit, an annual deficit, annual average deficit over the next ten years of roughly two billion dollars or two billion dollars a year. That's thirty five percent of spending. Thirty five percent of the of the spending levels are going to be have to be covered by something else. They're going to be in deficit. Put another way, revenues are only sufficient. Traditional revenues are only sufficient to cover sixty five percent. Of spending, We're going to have to come up with 35%. If we entirely eliminated the PFD to the top 25% using IRS data, uh, if we entirely eliminated uh, the PFDs to the top 20%, that would only raise $900 million, 45% of the deficit. We'd still have 55% of the deficit uh, uh, remaining, even if we eliminated PFDs entirely. To the top twenty-five percent, just said, okay, we're gonna, we're only gonna focus uh, uh, PFDs on middle and lower income Alaska families. Top twenty-five percent, no, uh, no PFDs. On that only covers forty-five uh, percent of the deficit. We'd still have roughly one point one billion dollars out of the two billion dollars uh, of of deficit left to go. That means we would have to cut if, if we're going down that road, and we're gonna, and we're gonna eliminate the PFD to the top twenty-five percent we would still have to cut 60% of the PFD, of the statutory PFD to the remaining 75% to fill the deficit. There wouldn't even be, there wouldn't even remotely be enough uh, uh, remaining uh, of the PFD uh, to, after closing the deficit to, uh, uh, to, to fund the full PFD for the remaining 75%, it would only be 60%. The other way to look at it is how much, how many, could we, could we fully fund the PFD too if we if we just you know eliminated the PFD for uh, uh, for everybody else, uh, eliminated the deficit by using you know, PFD elimination for everybody else. How many could get the full PFD after we did that? And it' be we could pay the full PFD only to the bottom 140,000, which is roughly the bottom 35%. Uh, of Alaska families or or Alaskans, uh, the bottom. So that means to to pay off the deficit using this means testing approach. If the means testing approach would mean we're going to pay the full PFD to somebody, we're just going to eliminate it for everybody else, um, and and only pay it to uh, to those below a certain level. We'd have to eliminate it to the to sixty five percent of Alaska families uh, in order to pay the full PFD. Uh, to the remaining uh remaining 35 percent, not only would the top 25 top 20 percent, have to have to uh, contribute theirs not only would the top 25 percent have to contribute theirs the top 65 percent, middle income alaska families uh would have to would have to have the elimination would have to face the elimination of the pfd in order to in order to pay a full pfd to the to the remaining 35 percent of alaska families we're facing The purpose of these numbers is we're facing some huge deficits going forward. I mean, 35% of the budget um, is going to be in deficit, huge deficits going forward. And and people think we can get away with, oh, we'll just eliminate the the PFD to the top 20% or we'll eliminate the PFD to the top 25% or we'll eliminate the, the PFD to the top 50%. Um, it's just still doesn't just work. That that, that the, the numbers are just too staggering to be able to do. Yeah,
2: that. numbers still don't work. Uh, I thought he tipped his hand in this piece, which I have posted up in the chat room. This opinion piece from Al Balea. Uh, I thought he tipped his hand at the very end when he says, "Whatever funds are freed up from this change can be used for critical public services and education." <laughs> Acting like this will be extra free money. That's what I mean. <laughs> Right. And I, when I when you read it that way, you're like all the money freed up from this can be spent on other things. And I'm like, wait a second. We've got a huge deficit and you want to spend it on other things. This would this would just take up a portion of the I mean, it's but this is the this is the feel. It's not your money. It's the government's money. We should do with it as we want. Blah, 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 blah. There you go.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I just people just don't have just don't have a good feel for the numbers. I mean, they they think so. So Elise Galvin's proposal that she presented last night to uh, to House Ways and Means, we talked about it last week. But it's another example of not having a good feel the numbers for the numbers. Her her proposal is an income tax, two percent flat tax on on incomes above two hundred thousand dollars. So the the first two hundred thousand dollars is exempt. Income above two hundred thousand dollars would be subject to a flat tax and then and then the remainder would be would be raised or the remainder of her proposal would be raised through a head tax a 20 dollar head tax that barely scratches the surface if we're facing we're facing 2 billion dollar deficits her proposal uh raises maybe 150 million dollars and if you look at just the income the because the the head tax proposal is just is just another way of recharacterizing pfd cuts it doesn't actually add any revenue you're going to have to cut PFDs deeply in order to balance the budget, even with her proposal. Um, and so you're just really car- recharacterizing $20 of the PFD cut as a, as a head tax, as opposed to a PFD cut. So skip that. The proposed income tax that she's got raises, you know, $75 million, somewhere between 75 million and a hundred million dollars, depending upon how many out-of-state residents we have with income above, above $200,000. But at most, it raises it raises hundred million dollars against a deficit of two billion dollars, and she and 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 you know those who are backing it and those who are who are saying well it's a major step forward are saying, you know this is this is really a a solid proposal. No, it's not. It's as we called it last week. It's a fig leaf. It it is. You you, you don't have if you think that's a solid proposal on the way forward, you don't have a good grasp on the on the numbers that we're facing the deficits we're facing uh going forward uh, because it's just it's it's it, it's a drop in the bucket it's a hundred million dollars out of out of a two billion dollar uh, annual deficit that we're facing going forward same thing with al i mean al, al you know he, he you know it's a real proposal by gosh to the tw- top 20 percent or the top 20 percent just ought to give up their pfds let's focus it on uh let's focus it on on the remainder of alaska families And as you say, you know, we'll have a little bit left over. You know, his his concept is we'll have a little bit left over. No, you won't. (laughs) I mean, if the the deficit's $2 billion, if you give up, if the top 25%, every last one of them gives up their PFD, their full PFD, that only raises $900 $900 million. We still got a billion one to go. (laughs) And, 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 And people just don't have, I mean, they don't have a grasp on how deep a hole we've dug ourselves in.
2: Right. Well, and they're not, again, they're not thinking long-term. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of that old analogy about, you know, triage, and you stumble in with a bleeding femoral artery, and the gal's like, let me put a Band-Aid on that. That'll be fine. Don't worry about that. And that's what it feels like. I mean, it just feels like, do you guys not understand the depth of what we're talking about here? And again, the reaction of Bolea to say, oh, all this, with all the funds we freed up, we could, we'll be able to use that on critical public services. and everything. It's going to suck up all the money in the room. Are you kidding me? And you know what's going to happen? Even let's
1: say we just say just for a moment. Let's say we adopted it, and so we've got 35% of Alaska. The remaining 35% of the Alaska families getting the getting the full PFD. How long is it going to be until somebody says, "Well, that's just welfare. We need to cut the welfare." And so, and so, you know, they don't they don't need all that. So we'll just take you know, five thousand here, five thousand there. And how long is that going to last? I mean, once you once you've converted the PFD, which is a share. Let's let's go back to the fundamentals. It is a share of Alaska's wealth for every man will turn the PFD into a welfare payment, which is basically what this proposal is, how long do you think it's going to last until people just start, you know, cutting it down and cutting it down and cutting it down um, uh, even further until it's gone. It's just, right. it, it's a step on the road of of eliminating the PFD uh, through through another means. And, you know, I, I just prefer somebody come in my face and say, I just want to wipe out the PFD and argue about that as opposed to this nickel and dime approach of, Well, we'll eliminate it to the top 25 percent. Well, then that's not going to work. We'll eliminate the top 50 percent. Well, that's not going to work. We'll eliminate it to the top 65 percent. Well, we need more money. So now we're just going to sort of start nickel and diming it down from there. And I just, you know, let's just have the debate. Let's let's, let's finalize the debate. Let's just not go down the road of nickel and diming.
2: So serious question. Now that you're looking at this and you're seeing all these numbers and, you, you know, you've been deep diving on all this and everything else, 35 percent deficit uh, for all this time. Um, so, I mean, do you think that at some point they're going to come to realize that they're going to have to make cuts? I mean, because, you know, you and I have talked about there being no political will to make cuts. But when you start talking about a 35 percent deficit. Uh, you know projected in the future and even if they took all of the pfd that only lasts for a year or two before just the generation and size of government you know it, as it increases every year is going to push us beyond that uh d- does anybody start to acknowledge that we have to start cutting i mean is is that even on the is that even on the horizon michael over the last decade
1: um uh, plus that that i've been at this i've come to the to the realization and conviction that the only way we're gonna ever get people to push back on spending is if all Alaskans have to uh, deal with it, if they all are going to suffer from it, if they all have to contribute to fill the gap. The problem with the PFD, the problem with using the PFD to to fill it as we've done since 2016, is only middle and lower income Alaska families are contributing. None of the top 20, the top 20% are contributing a, a trivial share Know, sort of like the cost of a starbucks a day are contributing a trivial share toward uh, the cost of government and and they don't care about that so and they're the ones who are in the forefront of of you know more spending and more spending and more spending because they don't have to pay for it they're shoving it down on middle and lower income alaska families the only way we're going to get pushback the only way we're going to we're going to start getting spending under control is if all alaska families Including the top twenty percent, including the business leaders, including the people who hire the lobbyists, including uh, uh, as, uh, as 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 uh, Ben Carpenter put it on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, including the the chambers of commerce and the trade associations, if they have to start contributing, if their members have to start contributing, if their leadership has to start contributing, then they're going to become concerned about spending. But as long as we uh, as long as we allow a mechanism, use a mechanism. That shoves the cost down to middle and lower income Alaska families, unless the top twenty percent off. We're never going to get spending under control. I mean, Bolay, who's clearly in the top twenty percent, is telling you what what their attitude is. I can do away. I, I don't worry about my PFD. Take my PFD, but but don't tax me. But 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 take my PFD. That's fine. <laughs> we'd have to we'd have to take you know the PFD of sixty five percent of Alaska families to to fill the budget as it is. As long as we can keep shoving it down, nobody's going to worry about spending. Or there, there's not going to be enough people. There's not going to be critical mass. There's not going to be enough lobbyists uh, worrying about spending.
2: Well, that was number one. We, I mean, we're run. We're out of time completely here. Number two, give me a, t- a twenty-second tease here. I mean, where is the budget headed? Well, so the House finally passed it. Has passed the budget last night, but but
1: even the House members are saying, well, it's just a starting point for negotiations. So. The true answer is nobody knows where the budget's going, but we're gonna talk about some of the parameters uh, around the budget
2: uh, in the second segment. All right, we're gonna be back. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. The weekly top three, number one's done. We're on a number two. We may bleed over into the next hour. I wanna to get to all of these in depth because I think they're important. We're gonna continue. Common sense, Liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more right after this.
0: Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show.
2: Okay, Brad Keithley, our guest, uh Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Um uh I mean I think Chris is kind of echoing what I said earlier. If Brad is complaining about how deep the hole has gotten, does that mean he's ready to talk about cuts again? I don't know Has Brad never really stopped talking about cuts except for the feasibility of it. I mean, Brad and I were I – mean, if you listen to this program since 2014, Brad and I have been hammering on cuts. We hammered on cuts for the first four years, five years. Specifically, we were talking about you've got to get it down to what the ICER said was – you know, first it was 4.1 and then it was 4.0. Then it was $3.9 billion as a base to be able to keep it sustainable. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And then <laughs> blew right past it. And at some point, kind of both Brad and I realized there is no political will to fix any of that. You know, it's like the wheels have got to come off the bus before anybody acknowledges that the spending is not there. But, I mean, I still want to see cuts, but I, I just, where's where's the backup for it, Brad? Well, it's structure, Michael. I mean, I wrote—I
1: I take a little offense at people who, who who make that comment. I wrote the first op-ed, my first op-ed on spending cuts in 2012, in the Anchorage Daily News, and I said we need to start talking about cuts. Now, this is this is at the same time that Bill Stoltz, Senator, former Senator Bill Stoltz, and others in the valley were still pressing for, you know, the MatSU rail extension and all sorts of spending out in the all sorts of spending out in the MatSU. At the same time, we were building the the MatSU campus. Uh, And the Performing Arts Center out 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 in the Mat Su. I was saying we need spending cuts, and I got raked over the coals for that. Oh, we don't need to worry about spending cuts. We got plenty of money, you know. Stop, uh, stop complaining about it. And and I've and I've kept that theme uh, throughout the throughout the subsequent decade. But here's the problem: there is not a structure in place. the 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 fiscal structure is not in place to push for cuts. The reason is the people who are pushing for spending. The top 20% don't have to pay for it. They can push that spending off on somebody else, push the, the 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 revenues uh that need that are needed to pay for it off on somebody else by using PFD cuts and pushing it to middle and lower income Alaska families. The only way we're gonna get spending under control is to change the fiscal structure so that the top 20% have to pay for it as well. I mean, that's. Yes, I want cuts. Yes, I've wanted cuts since 2012. Yes, I wanted cuts throughout the entire 20 teens. Yes, I've wanted cuts throughout the 2020s. But you have to have a fiscal structure in place that that creates the 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 imperative for all Alaskans to engage in in trying to push back and trying to get cuts. And the and the fiscal structure we've created is is just that the eighty the the bottom eighty percent end up paying for it. The top twenty percent get free government. I mean, you, you talk about you talk about free rides die hard. What's really going on here is the top 20 percent don't want to pay for government. They've had a free ride throughout Alaska's. his it. Well, since we undid the 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 income tax in the early 1980s, they've had a free ride from there on throughout Alaska's history. And they don't want to stop their free ride. They just and, and to and to not stop their free ride. They want Alaska to be like the lower 48. They want, you know. AstroTurf baseball or or football fields. We went through that, that phase, they want, they want a great government. They want a big government. They want their teachers to be happy. They want everybody to be happy, but they don't want to pay for it. Right. And, and, and that's the fiscal structure we've got in place. And until we replace that fiscal structure and create an incentive in the top 20% to push back on spending, we're not going to get spending cuts. So yes, I want cuts, and the way I'm going about cuts is to change the fiscal structure so that we create an incentive in all Alaskans to push for those, push push for those cuts. I've got great ideas. Others have great ideas on where those cuts can be made. But until we have a fiscal structure in place, so that the leaders of the chambers of commerce and the leaders of of, of the other trade groups and the leader and the and the top 20% generally, the people that hire the lobbyists, until they have an incentive to get in the game. And push for cuts also, we're not going to get them. So my way of pushing for cuts is to get the top 20% in the game, to get those people who are controlling spending in the game of pushing back on, pushing back on spending.
2: Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is our, uh, is our guest. Um, and yes, we have talked about, (laughs) we have talked about oil, man, there's broken records. Uh, we have talked about oil. That's part of the fiscal plan. I mean part of the overall long-term fiscal plan that's been put forward by the fiscal policy working group includes a tax whether they're they're talking about a sales tax, which I know is more regressive and not the preferred plan that Brad's talked about. Uh, they talk about uh, you know more oil taxation. They talk about some cuts. they talk about it all. A spending cap, uh, per, you know, protecting the PFD, all of those things. We have talked about all of those things. So it's... I
3: mean, what, what, what?
2: <laughs> you could come back to that. You just hold that thought and come back to that. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, uh, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Do all that stuff. Let's get back to it. Uh, here we go. Common Sense Radio. Let's do it. All right, we're continuing the Brad Keithley Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And uh, we're in the weekly top three. Number two. Where is the budget going? Last night, some stuff happened. What is it? What does it mean from here, though? Uh, Brad, where are we at?
1: So the House passed a budget last night. Six hundred million dollars uh, in deficit, based upon the spring revenue forecast. Maybe a little bit less than that, based upon current oil prices. But current oil prices are headed back down this morning. So, uh, gosh, only knows where we're gonna where we're gonna end up. Six hundred million dollars in deficit. Goes to the Senate. The Senate has the Senate has, with the supermajority, the seventeen, have said they want no deficit. And the way that they propose to get the budget back in balance uh, is to uh, close the deficit through P- through additional PFD cuts, additional PFD cuts. The House was at POMV fifty fifty already down from the statutory levels. Uh, the Senate has said that uh, uh, they propose to get a balanced budget by through additional pfd cuts and actually the pfd level they're talking about would give them some additional revenue that they want to spend on additional k through 12 spending. So um there's you know we're, we're we're at a very we're at a very uh, uh contentious polar opposite situation house with a big deficit but with a pomb 50-50 pfd uh, senate saying they want an even bigger budget but they don't want a deficit and they're just going to tax the pfd tax Middle and lower income Alaska families uh, to bring it into balance. Um, the House had held up on theirs for a number of reasons. Uh, one is the tricks that Bert Sedman's known for pulling at the end of the uh, at the end of the session, where he, the Senate gets the House operating budget. Thank you very much. And the Sen- Senate then holds the capital budget, uh, combines the two together, and sends it back, sort of in a take it or leave it. You know, holds it holds it till the end of the session till they're right up against 120 days and then uh, sits there and sends it back right at the end uh, in in what's called a turdurkin, I think, uh, budget, which combines uh, the capital budget and the operating budget in one big budget. And then the Senate adjourns and goes home and leaves the the House with either, you know, a take it or leave it proposition to either take what the Senate's done or uh, uh, or. you know, shut down government down because you won't have, a, we do not have a government, you won't have a budget. Um, so I, the House, one of the reasons that the House had held up was because of that concern the Senate might do it. I understand piecing it together that Burke said he won't do that this year, and so yeah, right. the House. <laughs> right. That, that, that's because he's got something else in mind.
2: In yeah. Well, I mean, I mind. think it's funny. The 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 landmine in his piece talks about this and it and explains it. it says House leaders want to make sure that the Senate will send them the capital budget. Once the House passes the operating budget, the House majority fears that if the Senate holds all the appropriations bills, they could send the House a turducken. The capital, supplemental, and operating budgets all merged into one document and forced the House to take a yes or no vote on all three budgets at once, preventing them from writing their own capital budget that they could be merged with the Senate version. Senate leadership has said that they have no plans to cook up a turducken, (laughs) but there is no great deal of trust between the leaders of the two chambers. I mean, because, again, past performance is indicative of future results. We've seen this kind of chicanery and shenanigans from from, uh, Stedman and company before. They, you know, they held hostage the KGB road project. They held hostage, you know, previous budgets. Like you said, they just throw something together, walk away and adjourn and say, see ya. It's in your lap now. You've got to deal with it because, I mean, he's a bully. That's what he is. He's a political bully getting his way, doing what he thinks is best and screw everybody else. Uh, so, yeah, there's no real uh, there's no lot, a lot, a lot, not a lot of trust going on right now between the two chambers.
1: Yeah. So, and, and and even if even if the Senate, I mean, even if the Senate follows procedure, passes the capital budget, passes it over to the House, so the House can do whatever they want to do on the on the capital budget. And and even if you do to go to conference, it's not clear where conference is going to end up because the Senate is pretty, you know, pretty embedded on using PFD cuts, using taxes on middle and lower income Alaska families to pay for current and, and, and expanded government. Uh, the House is the House really doesn't have an answer to that. It's just, we want, you know, we don't want to tax middle and lower income Alaska families for it, but we don't have any other revenue ideas. We're not passing along any other revenue ideas. So we just got a $600 million hole in the budget that we're passing along, which which isn't much better uh, than, uh, than than the Senate's proposal to tax middle and lower income Alaska families. So you've got, a, you've got this, you've got, you know, totally bad solutions on both sides And, and, and no real clear path um, uh, to get to the middle. The one, the one person I haven't mentioned in this entire discussion is the governor, right? Right. The governor, you know, is like, he's kind of the wild card
2: in this, right? I mean, he's kind of like, nobody's no, nobody's really sure what he's going to do, but he has the power to veto a lot of stuff. And, but he's not talking to anybody.
1: Right. I mean, it's just, it's like, he's like on permanent vacation. And, you know you elect a governor to be a leader right to, to to lead the state um and and you know this one's decided he's going to lead the state in abstention. um so you got you got the senate fighting on one side you got the house fighting on one side the governor not giving any guidance i mean the governor could say look you don't have a you don't have a POMB 50 50 50 pfd and i'm gonna veto the full thing send it back start over i mean the, at a federal level, you have veto messages that come out of the executive and 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 sort of guide the legislature in, uh, in, in you know, keep them between some ditches on, right. on what they're doing. Here, the governor's not done that. And so we've got we've got a situation in which the Senate's just going to, you know, huff and puff and say, we're going to demand what we're going to demand. The House is going to say we're going to demand what we're going to demand, but we don't have we don't have any proposal on how to fill the hole, uh, the $600 million hole we've created. And, and you're going to have this standoff and the governor's just, you know, going to sort of be, you know, humming around someplace and maybe come in at the end, maybe not come in at the end. So it's, the answer is nobody knows where the, I don't, I don't think anybody knows where the budget's going. The Senate certainly has procedural, I mean, Burt's a procedural master, has procedural thoughts about how they might manage to get their way. The House, uh, I'm not quite sure that they're, that they have thought through all the procedures about how they get their way, but but they seem to be committed on on a POMV 5050 uh, PFD at least and where it lands uh, uh nobody knows i i would prefer the governor to step in and sort of set some boundaries and sort yeah. of say look I mean, he should know,
2: he should give him a fair heads up to say instead of Forcing him to pass the budget, get it all, get it onto his desk, and then veto everything. He should, like you said, line out to say, if you do this, this, and this, I'm going to veto it. So you might as well save yourself a lot of time and just make the decision now. This is a lack of leadership from the governor. Let me ask you one question here. Sarah Vance is quoted uh, on the House budget talking about this, and I thought she brought up an interesting point. She says, you're not the only ones pinching your noses in reference to voting for the budget. She said uh, uh, about the plan draw from the CBR and everything else. She's opposed that in the past, but she said she would support using savings in the short term to balance the budget as a long-term fiscal plan continues, which is what the fiscal policy working group said. It's going to take a couple of years. You're going to have to live on some savings and do some things that you're not going to be happy with, but it's a, but it's a compromise. What do you say to that? Well, it's okay, except I've heard it for ten years.
1: I mean, I've I've heard it for. You know, I remember one great episode somewhere in the mid twenty teens, where you know Lyman said, "Just pass the budget this year. We'll we'll do three hundred million dollars in, in spending cuts next year. I promise." Just pass the budget this year. Three hundred million dollars evaporated. I mean, it, it, fool me once, fool me twenty times. Maybe I get a little bit skeptical about these sorts of things we're getting down to the point we are getting down to the point where we have to have a fiscal plan of some sort even if in the end it's even if in the end it's going to be extreme pfd cuts because we're almost out of savings right and 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 to some degree i mean the the machiavelli could say yeah drain savings more because that moves us closer to the to the i'll fall off the fiscal cliff date or fall off the cliff date um but it's but i've heard it before right Yeah and 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 the concern is, yeah, it's just it's just a way of sort of rationalizing doing it one more time, And then I'll make up a new excuse yes year next year for doing it again.
2: i I had to laugh because you just said you remembered an episode from it's like you're watching the best. You know telenovela in the world i remember an episode from back in the 20 teens it's like is it a comedy brad is it a tragedy what are you watching <laughs> i mean that's what it is um all right we're com- it, it, it's something it's something, it's huh? well it's it's a tragic comedy at this point you gotta laugh because otherwise you'd weep uncontrollably uh we're down to we got less than 60 seconds so can you hang out with us and do number three i really want to talk about number three on the other side sure all right so we're gonna hold the line here brad Keithley is our guest uh, we're going to come back and talk about number three, which is HB 107, which is the 7525 uh, Lyman Hoffman uh, discussion. But Burt Stedman may have other plans. <laughs> I think you could probably guess where those plans are going. Uh, the new episode is going to drop in just a few minutes. That's what it is. We're going to come back. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty based, free, thick, and radio. Don't forget, you can come and join us out on Facebook if you want to uh, be, uh, be with us and uh, talk with us during the break. We will continue with more in just a moment. Uh, go to facebook.com slash Show slash live. And we will continue on the other side. Okay. In this episode of As the World Churns, um, the fiscal, the fiscal whatever. All right, so before we came back uh, to the last segment, uh, we were talking about uh, you know this whole thing on oil and all this other stuff and taxes. And Brad was said, "Let me tell you something," and then he got dinged. So, uh, Brad. Feel free to tell me something here, because uh, I, well, I I kind of want to know what I kind of want to know where you're at at this because
1: it's it's this it's the same thing as everybody else it's the same thing as Al Bole. it's the same thing as I mean the the people who are talking about oil oil is the solution it's the same thing as Al Bolay it's the same thing as, as Elise Galvin oil is a contributor it's $400, dollars let's say we even get six hundred million dollars although I think we're 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 putting investment levels at risk at that point let's say we get six hundred million million dollars. The deficit is $2 billion, $2 billion. Get that in your brain, $2 billion. We're not gonna close it just from oil. Oil Oil's a contribution to that. We're not gonna close it just from Elise Galvin's 2% tax on on incomes above $200,000. We're not gonna close it from that. We're not gonna close it from a sales tax, a sales tax alone. It's going to take a bunch of different things. It's going to take some spending cuts in there, but you've got to motivate people—the people who have the power, who have the lobbyists, who run the trade groups—you've got to motivate them to get in there for spending cuts. Not say, not say, what they're doing now. Oh, we need more spending. I don't have to pay for it. So hey, we need more spending. It's going to take a bunch of things. Don't come. Don't you know? Continue to whine about. Oh, it's oil. It's oil. We're going to get it off. It's not. The deficit is too big. Get $2 billion in your mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Tell me how you're going to build a package that closes to $2 billion and then it's worth listening, but just whining about Elise whining about her 75 to $100 million, you know, income tax. Oh, I've got a solution. Uh, 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 you know, Ben talking about a $700 million, $800 million dollar. Uh, 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 sales tax, but then taking $300 million away or more uh, with a corporate income tax reduction. I, that's not it. That's not going to solve it. Sales tax isn't going to solve it because it's regressive. It's not going to ding the top 20% enough. You've got to get in there and put a bunch of things together that that create incentives, create revenues, but also create incentives for people to stop, stop additional spending and in fact, start to move back um, on spending. And and, you know, I, all of those things are great contributors, but don't whine at me and say, oh, oil's
2: going to solve it all.
1: You right. just don't talk about oil.
2: Right. Oil not going to solve it all. Well, I mean, even if you went with Willikowski's, you know, his pie in the sky number of there's one point two billion dollars left on the tape. It's a two billion dollar deficit. How does one point two? I mean, you know, uh, it, it, this is again, it's got to be. A holistic approach, right? It's got to be all of this is what the this is what the uh, the FPW said. that they it's gotta be holistic. It's gotta be, you know, cuts, it's gotta be oil, it's gotta be a taxation, it's gotta be uh protecting the PFD, it's gotta be a spending cap, it's gotta be all those things. Or if you just do one, we're gonna be right back here next year.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And, and it's gotta be, I mean, part of it's gotta be some PFD cuts. I I, I wish it wasn't because it's aggressive. It it hits middle and lower income Alaska families. It's the worst option for the overall Alaska economy. I wish we didn't have to do PFD cuts, but part of it has to be PFD cuts because we've got way too big a deficit to to, to put entirely on the backs of of, any one segment, either uh, uh, all Alaska families through a tax, through a a flat tax, either the oil companies entirely. Everything, we gotta use all the pieces to, to bring this together, the, the fiscal policy working group was exactly right in reaching that solution. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just coming off the, oh, income tax is a solution. Look at the lease. Oh, give me a break. Raises maybe a hundred million dollars. <laughs> 100, me
2: 110 million that's what donald posted earlier the numbers say 110 million dollars that i mean not, that, the in,
1: not the income tax component the income yeah. tax component is less than
2: that. well that's probably with the head tax at that point <laughs> I
1: mean, the head tax <laughs> the head tax that is nothing more than a than a than a retitling of a portion of the pfd cut i i just i i you know people in their words that you've got to deal you got to start with the concept that it's 2 billion dollars it's 35% of the budget that we've got to close and and work from there 2 billion dollars work from there yeah fill in fill in the 2 billion dollar hole
2: yeah it's uh it it's it's some crazy stuff that there's any uh any one solution out there at this point that's going to fix it it's gotten so large there's no one problem that's going to uh, that's going to fix it And I mean that's why quite honestly I mean again the 5050 uh, you know we talked about the f- being the 5050 uh, PFD that is a cut and that's the cut you're talking about right I mean because the, cause the okay. statutory PFD is is you know significantly higher but the 5050 is the original vision and that's the cut you're talking about
1: right so it's it's a 700 million dollar cut over over the annual average cut over the next 10 years. I mean, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge piece of this. You, if you, if you, if you, you know, stomp on your feet and say, it's gotta be, we got to keep the statutory PFD. Fine. Find another $700 million someplace. Uh, uh, You've already maxed out on oil. You've already maxed out on whatever you can burden the burden, Alaska families from an income tax. You've already maxed out all the other stuff. Now go find $700 million more that, uh, that, that you're going to, that you're going to, so it's uh it's uh it's it's the numbers are huge. And people who you come to it, I mean it's sort of like the old uh what's the old story of you know feeling this part of the cow and saying it's a pig or feeling that right. part of the cow. The it's, elephant, right? Right, yeah. Elephant thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly big cow. Yeah, the big cow. <laughs> it's it's sort it's sort of people, you know, people who are, you know, picking one little thing, and saying, Oh, that's the solution. It's sort of like that old story of, of you know, touching the elephant and thinking it's, it's something entirely different. It is, it is the whole elephant. We've got to swallow, we got to come up and with enough enough things to get to the whole elephant. Hold the line, and here uh, we go.
2: The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
0: Oh, buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the themichaeldukesshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast.
2: Good morning and welcome to the program. Hour two continues. Now, normally by this time we finished up uh, with our weekly top three with Brad Keithley, but uh, we got so deep into the muck on this, the quagmire, that we, uh, we decided to ask Brad to stay over because we hadn't even gotten to number three, which I was really looking forward to. Uh, number three on the weekly top three is how a- SB 107 isn't going to fix the problem. The SB 107 is Lyman Hoffman's bill. It's the refiguring. It's a new PFD formula, twenty five seventy five. So government gets seventy five percent of it, but that really wasn't enough. Bert Stedman actually wanted to stuff some other stuff into that, and Bert Stedman's vision of uh, SB 107. Is not what you think it is, Brad. Uh, I give it to you for the third of the weekly top three. Take it away, my friend.
1: So there, at, at, at airtime, there weren't any articles on on this particular subject. So we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about it. Uh, sort of fill in some blanks from yesterday for people. Yesterday, Senate Finance held one of its hearings on uh, SB 107, which is the committee bill uh, to uh, to solve the uh, the PFD issue, permanently solve the PFD issue. And and the proposal is to cut to POMV twenty five seventy five, um, and and you know, divert that money, divert seventy five percent of the POMV to uh, uh, to government, um, and but but to include a provision that allows you to claw back to fifty fifty to POMB fifty fifty if the legislature adopts uh, certain revenue measures that offset. Uh, that portion of the PFD cut, you can claw your way back, work your way back to POMV fifty-fifty, and and while the bill SB one hundred seven is a committee bill, it's been Lyman's proposal to sort of to to include provisions to claw your way back to POMV fifty-fifty, uh, which presumably you know Ben Carpenter's Ways and Means Committee is is working on ways to do that. So it's not it's not that unrealistic. The 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 cost of clawing your way back. The difference between POMB 2575 and POMB 5050 50 over the next 10 years is about a billion dollars. Um, so you need to have, you would need to raise, if all you're really trying to do is offset the the the, the drop in the revenues uh, or the difference in the revenues, all you really need to do is have that clawback of a billion dollars. Bert yesterday, God love him, Bert yesterday amended Lyman's proposal for that clawback to both shorten the time, which means that which makes it much less realistic that you're gonna that you're gonna get those clawbacks, uh, which is Bert's intent to make it unrealistic, you're gonna get the clawbacks. Um, but also to say that you had to do two things to get the clawback. One, you had to raise a billion three in new revenues, not just the billion difference between. Right. 2575 but you have to raise a billion three in new revenues to get the clawback and and there's no gradual clawback it's either 25 percent or it's 50 percent right so you have to raise a billion three to trigger the clawback and you have to you have to increase the SBR from its current roughly two billion dollars to three and a half 375 some some somewhere in that neighborhood an additional billion dollars plus in surplus, by the date, by this very shortened date, by the date um, uh, that the that the trigger uh, would operate, uh, in order to get it. So, not only do you have to raise more revenues than is necessary to 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 cover the clawback, you have to raise even more revenues above that to generate the surplus to build in the C and, and hope to hell nobody spells or sets, uh, spends that surplus while you're doing it. To build the surplus, another billion or a billion and a half or a billion and three quarters, uh, uh, to uh, to to get the claw back. It Bert's proposal is essentially to put a poison pill in and make sure it never happens. Um, and, right. And to and to and to have the fig leaf of saying, "Oh well, we said you know, if you want to go back to POMV 50, <laughs> 50, we gave you a path to do it." Right. We gave but, you an out. It, yeah, but it's an, a totally unrealistic path. Now here's the deal. Here here's the thing that just really. Triggered me yesterday, uh, pens flying, all that sort of stuff. Here's the vote on the POMV twenty five seventy five with Burt's clawback. Here's the vote in support. It was a four to three passage uh, in Senate Finance. Stedman, Bishop, and Merrick. Eagle Rivers, Merrick. Yeah, okay. You sort of you sort of figure those three are going to be together, right? The the the, the that, that's three. The oh, those in opposition are Wilson. Hoffman and Olson because they believe the clawback is way the hell beyond what it needs to be the time frame is too short you know you're 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 piling all this junk on just really to kill it and they voted against piling the junk on Wilson Hoffman and Olson against the fourth vote the deciding vote in favor of of doing it this way Jesse keel Let's see, where have we heard of Jesse Keel's? <laughs> oh, he was on the fiscal policy working group. Right. That said everything has to has to be done in coordination. And 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 the goal is P O M B 5050. And you know, and we're we're all gonna come together. We're all gonna Jesse Keel is the fourth vote in favor of uh, in favor of doing it. Just, you know, you're you're killing, you're killing the 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 incentive to try to come up with uh you're you're burdening the 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 incentive to try to come up with a solution to unimaginable levels to unrealistic levels uh but jesse keel voted for it and, and it's just it it is it is burt's way of of signaling that that he's gonna kill you know he he wants to impose things that are gonna kill uh the PFD. The other the other thing about this, if you if you trend out and they didn't discuss it in, in Senate Finance yesterday. But if you trend out where spending's going, you trend out where traditional revenues are going, uh, POMB 2575, 7525 last two years. <laughs> and then and then we're back into deficits again. And and we've set up the procedure. I mean, not, not, none of this is talking about constitutional <clears throat> BFD, even at 2575. Right. We're back into where the revenue is going to come from and we're going to be back into, oh, well, maybe it ought to be POMB 2080, or maybe it ought to be POMB
2: 1585. Just 100, 100, right? It's just 100%. We're going to all take it to government, and it'll be fine. But again, even if they took all of the PFD today, based on the spending trajectory and what's going on right now, we'll be back at this place in just two or three years.
1: Well, it lasts a little, all of the PFD gets us a little bit farther than two or three years, but, but, but the, the trajectory certainly is that the, that the PFD goes away, uh, or that, or that we go back into deficits if they take, uh, if they take all of the, uh, all of the PFD it's, a, uh, but, but Bert is, I mean, he he's, he's procedurally great, right but he's using it for all these bad purpose for all these for all these obviously bad reasons i mean he's he's using all this trickery for obviously bad reasons we need a billion dollars to close it so let's make him let's make him pay a billion three to close it and let's add a bunch of let's add a billion dollar or two billion dollar surplus on top of that i it's not it's not a legitimate it's not a legitimate proposal it's just a thinly disguised way of killing of killing the PFD while being able to sort of say, ooh, I gave, the, I gave you an out. Right. I want to
2: take the out. I gave you the opportunity. You squandered it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm the one that's in control of all this and knows whether or not we're going to spend money from the surplus or we're going to get $1.3 or all the other kind of stuff. I mean, again, we're talking about because <clears throat> Lyman Hoffman's proposal was $900 million. He says one point. So you got a 40% increase right off the top. And then he shortened it down. Instead of you know twelve years or whatever it was, he wanted to make it even shorter than that, and add the uh, CBR amount on top of that.
1: It's like it's like oh gosh, they might they might do a billion three, so let's so let's just put something else on top of it yeah. to make sure that that's so crushing it can never happen. And Bert will say, yeah, well, let's see, I'm in charge of voting for those new revenues. I'm yeah, I hope to be in charge of the committee that would allow that would that would. You know, allow or deny those new revenues to come through. It's, we we don't have, we don't have people seriously trying to solve problems. We have people seriously trying to see, to show everybody how sharp they are procedurally and how many, and how many games they can play uh, along the way. I mean, that's, that's sort of what we got. That's what makes this a, a tragic comedy, right? I mean, right. You you sort of sit there and go, good God, man. Well,
2: and they don't want to give up any of the behavior that they've had over the last 25 years i mean they just don't want to they don't want to stop they don't want to uh you know like a spending cap i mean that's a <clears throat> you know why would the lunatics want nurses to have keys to the asylum when they're running the place they don't want that i mean that's exactly what's happening now they don't want to be uh they don't want to be restrained in any way they want to continue business as usual it's what we talk about business as usual republicans This is exactly what they want. This is exactly where they want to go. And as long
1: as they, as long as they can cut the PFD, use it, you fund it by cutting the PFD. They keep their, they keep their, you know, the trade groups and the lobbyists and the, and the, uh, and the chambers of commerce fat, dumb and happy. I mean, they're, 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 they're fine with it because they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. We want more teachers. Yeah. Define benefits. So that's a good idea. I mean, it's just, we just—it's—it's it's trickery to come up with more revenue at the expense of middle and lower income Alaska families. Trickery to come up with more spending that the top twenty percent doesn't have to pay for. Um, it just just goes on and on and on.
2: So, uh, what we're coming down to the end here, Brad. What's uh, what should we be watching out for? What we should be looking for? I mean, this uh, this bill obviously passed. Now we've got the budgets and everything else coming up what uh what do you what should we be what should we be on the lookout for what should we be uh looking forward to here well
1: i think i i, I a couple of things i mean all, all eyes move to the senate now right the house has done what they're going to do uh on the budget so all eyes will focus on senate and senate finance about you know what they're going to do about the budget that the house has sent over um I should focus on 107 i mean 107 is ready to go to the floor it passed out of senate finance as amended uh, four to three. So it's ready to go to the floor. And the Senate's going to hold it up as, as it's, uh, you know, we've got a solution. Uh, I think it will be divisive on the Senate floor. I think I think it may uh, break the Senate majority. We may find uh, fraction fissures in the Senate majority uh, when it comes up on the floor. But, you know, they've got, when, when people say, well, we've got to come up with a solution of a fiscal plan, Senate's going to say, we got a fiscal plan. It's twenty five, seventy five for now, right? Um, and with with you know this huge kicker that uh, that you've got to put in to, to get back to POMV fifty fifty. So, um, it, so the things to watch for: what's Senate Finance going to do with the budget? What are they going to do with the with the operating budget that's come over from the House? What are they going to do from the capital, with the capital budget? And what are they going to do with SB one hundred seven? The other place to watch is is House Ways and Means. I mean, people now seem to be primed ready for a fiscal plan so all eyes ought to be on ways and means about what about what kind of fiscal plan they're going to come up with
2: uh ben carpenter says fiscal plan will be forwarded to house finance spending limit will be released tomorrow other components will follow ignorance is no longer a valid excuse but a tactic so they're about to drop all this stuff out of the house which is good Uh, again, the wild card in all this is what is the governor going to do? (laughs) We have the the person we don't talk about uh, the person who just, yeah, we don't talk about has not talked to us. We haven't spoken to the governor in almost, I think it's almost going on almost two years now. Wouldn't respond to my last request for I mean, just uh, no communications with Alaska. Great. Thanks governor uh all right uh brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets thanks for coming on board thanks for staying late we appreciate it uh michael, always, thanks for having me good to talk with you chris story's up next the michael duke show comic sense liberty-based free thinking radio
0: Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay,
2: uh, in the break, <laughs> finishing things out. Apparently, people believe that if they screech loud enough um, that uh, that their points are valid at this point uh and no brad isn't being paid to be here brad's doing this of his own free will (laughs) brad's retired i mean apparently you must be making some good money brad that's all i'm saying good money to push all this stuff and
1: i I have no idea who's paying i would have no idea who's paying me the oil companies hate me
2: yeah i mean I,
1: i i i i supported brenna's uh uh proposed uh um proposition yeah lost a bunch of friends in the old yeah no i I
2: know you burned some bridges i remember having a discussion when we were all talking about that you burned some bridges on that one some some big times big ways but that's okay (laughs) if you screech loud enough apparently that's truth that's what's going on today so
1: uh well when you screech at least at least target the two billion dollars i mean at least at least at least be realistic uh, uh, as, as you screech, at least have the right number in mind as you screech,
2: right. Making it all work and making it all worthwhile. Uh, all right, Brad, uh, final thought. I'll let you go here. Uh, give me your, your final, your final word for the well, day. It,
1: it, the, the, the best thing from this morning's program for me was the, was the insert you put in from Ben that, uh, they're coming forward with, uh, with the, uh, the fiscal plan. I Um. I'm not a big fan of doing it piecemeal. I'd, I hope I would hope that they package it up and and uh, uh, put it in front of House Finances as, as one package, an understandable total package. Because you know it's 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 two billion dollars. We've got to see. We, we we need to we need to understand how we're filling the two billion dollars. And if you if you do it a piece at a time, I think that uh, uh, we're going to lose sight of what we're what we're actually trying to do, and people are going to pick and choose. And anyway, I I, I hope it's a package, but. But it's good news that uh, that House Fight or the House Ways and Means is going to come forward, uh, come forward with a uh, with a plan because uh, that's certainly what we need. I mean, we can't we can't continue passing things that have six hundred million dollar deficits, right? Nor should we continue passing things that that push the burden mostly to middle and lower income Alaska, well, almost entirely to middle and low, lower income Alaska families uh, through PFD cuts. We need a comprehensive. Uh, package that uh that uh, does all those things so good news good news from ben i'll be i'll be looking forward yeah to
2: no it. i think we're all looking forward to it at this point all right um well thanks brad i appreciate it um thank you for uh coming on board and joining us today we look forward to talking to you again uh next week michael as always thanks for having me uh no problem my friend it's always good i mean you know it's all that pay that i'm looking for it's all the <laughs> uh, the checks in the mail Thanks, Brad. All right, Appreciate Take it. it. Take care, Michael. Uh, all right, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, let's uh, go back over here. Uh, let's get Chris Story uh, on the line here, shall we? Get him all squared away this morning. And, hey, look at that. It actually worked this morning. A good deal.
4: Good morning, Michael.
2: Hello, my friend. What is, uh, what's happening? What's on, uh, what's, uh, what's, what be the haps, sir? What's going on? You are so hip. I am so hip. hip. I am so I am I am the the proto hipster. That's what they call me these days. Uh the proto hipster. Uh Chris Story, uh our guest this morning. What's our topic for today, brother? What are we what are we gonna be discussing? In an instant. In an instant. That's in an instant okay all right well and
4: i know first thing you spend a lot of time on instagram but that's not really what this is about michael so if you can shelve your social media that's not um, what
2: i was thinking but i was thinking doc does make a pill for that so you could probably fix that right up um all right oh, man. Uh, oh, 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 oh that one's gonna leave a mark that's gonna leave a mark um all right oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, my friend, hold the line. We're jumping back into it. We're about uh, 28 seconds out from rejoining Chris Story, our guest, the man from Homer. He's going to come in and help us with a uh, he's going to come in and help us with this. Kevin's got the quote of the day. Uh, The Herald free platform. We call that YouTube, by the way. You could just go over there. You don't have to deal with any of it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
0: The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. The show not your daddy. Nope.
2: But uh, I call him that occasionally. Chris Story joins us on the air. He is the daddy of PMA. Hey, what's happening, my friend? What's going on? (laughs) I'm just questioning
4: my... My friends. <laughs> Silly. I think it's time to reevaluate the circle of people I have in my life. This is what I'm thinking about.
2: I think right you've now. Sh- I've shattered the circle of trust. It- <laughs> That's right.
4: Here's the circle. Here's Duke.
2: Way, way, the way on the outside yeah. circles here. I'm can like, earn way your way or... <laughs> back in. You can you can earn it. You can earn it back. Oh man. Chris Story joins us every Tuesday to give us a little bit of, of a positivity. A little bit of a positivity boost, and uh, you know, tell us a little bit, a little life coaching today. He wants to talk about in an instant, like it's uh, some kind of, you know, I feel like Carl Sagan or something. In an instant, Uh, so he's going to hit us with that this morning. Uh, All right, Mister Story, take it away. It's all you, baby. What, what, what's, what's, what's going on? I just
4: think it would be an amazing feat if you could do the entire broadcast in that voice. That in an, would be...
0: In an in instant. Ever, Chris Story, I have a question for you. In an instant, how do you fix that? I'm sorry, go ahead.
4: Oh, here's... I just had this idea. If you ever feel like having sort of a psychic break, which you do pretty often, actually, so I don't know what I'm saying, but if you ever really want to take it to the next level, a whole nother level of that psychic break, come to air as an alternate personality with a whole new voice and be a guest host from the perspective of somebody from san francisco say under a bridge in san francisco something like that i think you could pull it up in anybody in radio today only michael dukes could probably pull that you were phil uh, Phil Henry. I was just going
2: to say Phil yeah, Henry, Henry. Yeah. i was just like flipping Henry, back yes. and forth between the two. You know, I mean, yeah. And it's not a psychic break. It's a psychotic break. I just wanted to point that out Thank to you. <laughs> you.
4: That's right. Dion Warwick was the psychic hotline. That was right. Right. In my Don't need years, the
2: psychic so break. I, I can read your mind, Chris. I can see you filthy man. Um, all right. Uh, well, so in an instant, give me the give me the What, what what are you talking about?
4: Well, I'm reading this, this great book, and I, I highly recommend it if you've not heard of him. His name is Arthur Brooks, and he's a happiness professor at Harvard. Happiness professor, which is actually more meaningful than it sounds. Man. But he's got a book out called From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness, and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life. And maybe that's because I'm added into my second half of life, like you, Michael, and been thinking about that a little bit. Now, just I love his book. It's, it's really caused some stirrings in my mind and thinking about what he calls uh, that second curve of life and how you evaluate, like, wait a minute, what really brings meaning and purpose into my life? What do I really covet when it comes to this second half? What do I want it to look like? What do you want to do, accomplish? Who do you want to become? And my point of saying in an instant is your entire life can change in the moment in the instant you determine to make the decision and once you decide that this is what you want versus maybe where you've been going for the first 30 40 50 60 70 years these next number of years you're going to go this direction and you consciously choose it and you make it something that is on purpose and pointedly unique to you and in that instant Everything changes. Tony Robbins used to talk about, oh, you can gain, uh, you know, popularity. You can you can gain infamy in an instant by with the point of a gun. I mean, you could do that. So that we all know you can change your life instantly with a bad decision, but you could do so with a good decision or the right decision for you. But I think just so often maybe we're continuing with inertia and just moving towards it's sort of a, a manifest destiny that we don't feel we have control over. But the point is, you do, and you can change it in this instant right now.
2: With a decision. With a decision, deciding to analyze yourself, deciding to, you know, deciding on a new chief uh, definite aim, uh, in deciding on, you know, I mean, you know, many things. I mean, many people's lives have turned on a single decision. Um, I can't remember who it is. They talked about this as it being that magic moment, the magic moment that you made uh, some kind of monumental decision that changed the course of your whole life and most people think oh that's just the stuff of stories that's just the stuff of this that's just the stuff of that i mean i could testify to the fact that when i made a when i made a decision uh early on to to uh, uh to come back to radio because i'd been in radio when i was much younger uh and then I was in radio doing certain things and then i made that decision to go to go on the air to become to go back on the air that changed the course of my life um so I understand that instant magic moment that uh, you know, where the decision that you go could change the complete and total course of your life.
4: Exactly. Even though it may take months, years to achieve or to to get to a, a, a waypoint that you set out there for yourself, it's that you become somebody different the instant you make that decision in that moment. And then I would say the you know, one warning or a little caveat here, would be, be careful, be very careful before you actually make the decision that you know why it's something you want. And because that gap between where you are and where you say you want to be, or where you say you want to go, even if you only say it to yourself, in that gap can be a lot of trauma and a lot of disappointment and a lot of pain if you're not actually moving towards it because you really care, but I don't care that much about it, but I said I did, so I gotta keep moving. And that comes back around to that word inertia. If sometimes we're just continuing to move towards something because, well, it's what we said a long time ago, or I made a decision and I gotta stick with it. You can redecide, you can redefine, you can take aim again and move towards something different, especially if you are in that second curve of life maybe what you wanted in the first 30 40 50 years is maybe you've done it and well, now it's time to reorient to recalibrate
2: there's but there's a problem in that for many people I mean it's not a it's a it's a challenge I guess it's a you know let's re, recategorize that it's a challenge uh is that you know if you've reached the you know 40th year of your life that you're middle age or whatever I mean you've created a momentum to go in one direction. And sometimes it's hard mentally to be able to change that direction, um, mm-hmm. you know, where where you're heading. In the, so what is, you know, as an elderly man, what do you tell us uh, to try and over, <laughs> overcome that momentum? If your life is heading in one direction that maybe is not, maybe you could see the rocks and the shoals and you know it's not going to be good or it's not going to be as fulfilling as you want it to be what do you recommend to be able to change that momentum that course of direction to make that one single decision is it the decision itself because sometimes i think people get so scared of the unknown i've been doing this this way for so long i don't even know you know they can't even they can't even picture it what's your suggestion
4: i think being aware that the most clear and present danger in your life is dishonesty with yourself and deluding your own Mind or or to deceive yourself and just continue to ignore something that you know in the back of your mind and that still quiet voice is speaking to you and you know what it's saying but you ignore it or you you cover it up and you're dishonest with yourself. I think that's where the real pain, the real gulf, and the gap of, of dissatisfaction of life really lives and that's the shadow that we can cast light on by simply being honest with ourselves and figure maybe so it's it's why matters more than what. So in life, why you do something, why you are who you are matters more than what you are in this moment relative to your work or your station in life. Why? And then really delving deep into why it is you wish to do something different or aim towards something new. And then asking the the third W question, which is who? Who do you want to serve in life? Who, Who do you want to who do you want in your life? You, you saw me cut you out really quickly here this morning already. A couple right. of off-air comments, now one yeah. on air. You're I know. cut out, pal. Who do, you, who do you want in your life in that circle, that close proximity that will influence who you become? Who are you going to allow in? And then I guess lastly would be, who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? And if you know why, then knowing who is a lot easier in which case then living in Whoville will become more satisfying. I'm I I absolutely love like I'm going to go on air today at one o'clock on my show on top of the world. And I literally love that. And I absolutely come with a 210% of myself to that microphone and feel, I know who I'm serving. I know who I want to be. And I know who you are listening and why I'm here to serve you and what I can bring to you. And that to me, if that, if I get, 1,000 downloads on the podcast later, 10,000 people listening live. I'm actually just serving one person in, in a moment, just like you are. You and I both know that's the the beauty of broadcast. You're, you're broadcasting to many, but you're really only talking to one person at a time. And to me, when I realized that and I made that decision to only ever talk to one person at a time in that capacity, it changed everything. So why I show up to serve is I feel called to do it. I can't exactly put my finger on why, but it's a calling, and I've answered it, and I love it. And so, it's who I want to serve, who I allow in my life, and who I want to become in the process.
2: And that was a change that you made later in life, right? I mean, that was not yes. that yep. was not something you did, and you know, you you know, your first thirty years in life were definitely not in that direction. Then all of a sudden, you made Correct. a change.
4: Yeah, that's absolutely, and and numerous pivot points. Everyone has pivoted. No doubt. Very few people are on the same trajectory or at the same, you know, the same spot they were 10, 20, 15 years ago. We're always growing and pivoting. And I guess it's just a matter of a level of consciousness. And I'm just proposing that if you want change, be it in your health, your wealth, your prosperity, who you are, who you're becoming, who you have in your life, the negativity that you might be surrounded with or your focus, your myopic focus on what's wrong with the world, you want to change. You can do it in an instant simply by deciding, cutting off all other routes or options that it might take a year, two or 10. But if you decide you've already changed in that instant, you've become somebody new by having made that decision.
2: So in an instant, um, again, the, the theme for today's discussion, um, walk me through, I guess, walk me through it again. Talk to me like I'm five. um, Walk me through that that day when you s- sit up and you make that decision. I mean, what in your mind, what does it look like for the average person? They just, you know, they're fed up or they are despondent or they're feeling like not fulfilled. What, you know, walk me through it.
4: I will tell you a story because I'd rather, uh, you know, share a story. I think is more impactful than just citing factoids or bullet points. So the story I will tell you is this. The instant I became a runner was when, and it took me uh, a year to achieve that, but the instant I became a runner was the moment somebody, an older gentleman was sharing with me his health maladies and all of the things that come with aging and the health maladies that have come with the the aging process for him. And he looked at me and said, don't worry, you'll be here soon enough. And I thought in an instant, in that instant, I can tell you exact day where I was sitting, everything and instantly, I changed. Now, again, it took me um, a year to actually get to that point to then become, quote, a runner. But that was the decision I made. I said, I have to change now because I can see the trajectory. He was right. He wasn't wrong. He was 100% right where I was headed. And I said, I'm going to make a change in that instant. And I've stuck with it for, for three years. And as a result of that, many things have changed in my life. And you know what else changed, Michael? Not just my health but I believe in myself much, much more, because that's many decisions. You and I have made many decisions in our lives that have affected the outcome of what we've done and who we've become, but I believe the more credibility you earn with yourself, the further you can go down other paths that you may not have even considered before because maybe you don't trust yourself. You violated that trust too many times such that you don't believe you anymore, and that dishonesty then and the delusion is sort of the swirl around your mind when you go to think about something. Nah, I probably won't follow through. I won't even make the decision. But once you trust yourself, then you're more apt to make the decisions that are right for who you are and who you want to become, whether it's this first or second or third curve or phase of life.
2: In an instant, you can make a decision. That's the thing. You In an instant, you can change your life. All it takes is a little bit of self-analysis and a single decision. That's what it's all about. Uh, Chris story, The man... other... huh? go ahead. Okay. I just,
4: I got one beautiful, quick little story. Tiffany and I, years and years ago, were sitting on our deck overlooking the beautiful Cashmere Bay. It was a gorgeous sunny day. We had just finished some goal setting and we said, hold on a second. What if we did this and we wrote it down and we said, yes, let's invest in this. And we, we signed our names to it and said, yes, this is what we'll do. And I looked at Tiffany and we both looked at each other and I said, we just made $200,000 right here just in this instant of course it would take two or three years to accomplish with that thing that investment took years but in that second we knew it and so anyway that's my last story michael i know this is
2: your show yeah it's it's good to go i know it's hard to believe right hard to believe yeah uh chris you'll
4: be back with more here on the michael do (laughs) show don't forget every tuesday at seven (laughs) twenty-four. your life can change in an instant.
2: That's right, your life can change in an instant. Chris Story, author of the book The Backyard Millionaire, author of the book also The Watchman, the latest in the Jacob oh. Mann series, which uh I've uh, I've got a I've got a copy of and I have started to read and uh it's pretty damn good. It's all I can say right now. It's pretty I'm not I'm not through. I'm looking at the twists and turns, but I'm looking forward to it. Um Chris Story I love ilovehomeralaska.com my friend thank you for coming on board and being part of it with us today we appreciate it it was my instant pleasure and it was instantly it's always whenever you're with me it's instantly a pleasure uh all right uh back with more the michael duke show continues common sense radio
0: Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Chris Story, uh, our guest still here on the program some good stuff, my friend. It's always good stuff. I don't know if anybody in the chat room is uh, benefiting from it because they're still going on about trains and other stuff and sustainability, and which is all fine. Don't get me wrong. I just, uh, I mean, I, I got something from what you said, and that's all that matters. I did this for me, not for anybody else. One person. I'm selfish like one that. One person. Yeah, yeah. I'm the one person you were talking to today, mm-hmm. and that's, that's you right. know, it's it's interesting because I mean, I have especially when it comes to talk radio. It's uh, I mean, I think it's important in music radio as well. But when you're in talk radio, yeah, there is a point when you're like, I've got a you know, you're talking to just one. per. And I probably a consultant probably told me that at one point said, make sure you just talk to one person. And and I'm like, but I always do. And that's kind of how I always did. It was kind of like a little I mm-hmm. always people say, Well, what's what's the format of your show? You know, you ask somebody to come on the program has never been on before. They say, Well, how's this gonna work? What's the what are the questions you're gonna and I'm like, I have no idea what questions I'm gonna ask you. I said, We're gonna talk about this, this, and this, but just think of it as a cup of coffee. We're just gonna sit down and have a cup of coffee together and have a conversation. Oh, okay. I mean, it's that's how I've always pictured this show mm-hmm. in the long run. But yeah. yeah, it's it's uh it's always that one on one kind of stuff that uh it's what I enjoy the most.
4: Well, you you honed your craft, Michael. You honed your craft. Um oh, I forgot to mention, I was gonna mention, I've got some breaking news today from Homer Electric. Uh Brad uh Brad Janorski, the, the uh, general manager is gonna be on my show. Breaking news. Nobody knows about this in all of Alaska. This is breaking on my program. Today. Okay. So, um, anyone in the chat room can be aware of that. So pretty exciting.
2: Nope. So what's the news? I mean, tell us what's the. I can't tell you. Oh. He's going to break it on my show. Okay. All right. Fine. One o'clock if today.
4: He, yeah, if I break it here, then yeah. And, and by the way, I don't even know.
2: But we're not on the air. So, so we'll it's out. all good. It's all good. Um, it's just you. Yeah. You and Harold. <laughs> just me and Harold are the only two here uh, left for the day right now um all right my friend well um i got uh, i guess i don't have anything else for you other than i am in the middle of reading the watchman i'm trying to do my read through before i start to narrate it um oh and... that's interesting i wondered if you did that I, I never asked you before uh so you don't just sit down and read it cold because i was
4: thinking how would you know like the character voice it, it, do you kind of develop that up front i have read kind of figure out the i have
2: done a few reads kind of cold um But, you know, to test it out. Uh, But I found it uh, not as I found it not to be great uh, for a couple Mm of reasons. One, you'll start off with a character voice and you'd be like, "Okay, here's the character voice. And then you get two thirds of the way through the book and the, the author will say. And his slight Texas drawl does. And I'm like, oh, God, Uh, you know. Oh, wait a minute. This guy is supposed to have had a slight Texas drawl the entire book. And I've just read two thirds (laughs) of it. (laughs) And he's a supporting character that appears every other page. I mean, like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So, no. So you got to kind of read through it. And it just kind of gives me a feel for the whole tone of everything so that I know kind of how to perform it, um, you know, how to perform it better. So that I, so that I know when there should be tension coming up. If you know, if the author, yes. if the author hasn't kind of for forecast or or foreshadowed that there's tension coming up, that you kind of know what's happening, you know what's going to happen next, so you know kind of how to play it a little better. So yeah, you you need yeah. to you need to read through the book. I've done a few yeah, short. No, I've done a cool. few short ones where I was like, I'll just read this cold. And then I went back and re-recorded them because I wasn't happy with the way that they sounded. So, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, it, yeah, it's a process. But I, I definitely with your book, I just wanted to read it for enjoyment first, also for research, but to enjoyment, just to know what's what's going on um and well, cool
4: well i can't wait to hear it it's gonna be he, he, my brother like i say, the greatest compliment is he goes michael dukes because he's read the backyard billionaire and the making the man right only through audible and so all he knows of my writing really is from you and so he's like well michael dukes does a great job i'm like what about me
3: <laughs> what about no, me i michael wrote
2: Luke's. it he's just the mouthpiece right. what the hell yeah. um no but it should be good i'm i'm looking forward to it and uh I'm looking forward to performing it, but it, it really, uh, it's, it's a good story so far. I'm enjoying it. And the peaks into, uh, the peaks into the old uh, adopted hometown are kind of cool too. Um, so I really, I really like that. So,
4: which I am concerned. I'm not concerned. I don't care. I know there's going to be some people that go, that's not really how Homer is. It doesn't matter. It's my fictional version It's fictional, yeah.
2: I mean, it's, just, yes. you know, I mean, he's not Louis L'Amour who's got every detail of everything down to the Nats' ass. You know, I mean, just come on. It just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, but
4: nobody lives at the top of the Salty Dog. But, I know. Uh, i put a guy
2: there. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty small little joint up there. I, when I first read that, I was like, I've seen the Salty Dog. That's like a 112 square foot apartment up there. That's not a big place. So it is. <laughs> Well,
4: you know, all Jacob moves is a bed. Yeah. All right, catch you
2: later. All right, see you later, my friend. Thanks for coming on board. Uh, Chris Story, our guest here uh, on the Michael Duke Show. Okay, um, I guess um, I don't even know what I, want, what I want to talk about. What do I want to talk about? No idea. Uh, so I suppose we could just launch the phone lines if you guys want to talk about. You guys are talking about railroads and things like that. Sustainability. Here we go. Okay. Welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. We continue one final segment for today. I mean, I don't know why, but I just have the feeling that that whole segment with Chris was just for me. Because half the chat room's over there talking about other important stuff. Don't get me wrong, important stuff. Sustainability, fresh food, the railroad all that kind of you know whether or not we're going to get a rail line to Canada and and everything. I mean those are don't get me wrong. all important things. But uh so I don't know. I guess what I'll do is um I'm going to throw the phone lines open. How about that? I'll put the phone lines up and we'll start uh we'll start there. We'll see what you guys have to say. 907 433 3150, 907 433 3150, will be the phone number if you'd like to call in. Special thanks to our friends at Satellite West for helping to sponsor the program. As always, from Menchumana to Metlakatla, from Chicken to China, from Tetlanica to the Tananaw, wherever you are in the state of Alaska, Satellite West has got you covered with connectivity. Meaning you can send text messages, you can send emails, you can surf the internet, you can make phone calls. No matter where you are, that's what Satellite West specializes in, and they're proud sponsors of the program today, uh, and every day here on the thing. And if you're looking for a local dealer, uh, whether it's uh, you know Marine Supply down in Homer or uh, Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, uh, they got a whole list of dealers over on their website at satellitewest.com. So special thank you to them. For sponsoring the program today. Um, all right. <clears throat> well, I don't know what what do I want to uh, what do I want to chit chat about? I suppose we could come back to. There was a discussion going on about fresh food and uh, sustainability, and I know I've been promising Jerica in the chat room that we're going to talk more about sustainability uh, here in the near future. I got to be honest with you. I just um, watched a video the other day. And I was talking to my wife about this because my wife is – she's got kind of a quasi-green thumb. She likes to do a little planting and seeds in the spring and herbs and things like that. And when we lived in Fairbanks, we had a – we did a – what did they call it? Square foot gardening. Square foot gardening. I'm sorry. That's what it was called. Basically raised boxes, right? I built uh, four-by-four-foot boxes with a foot tall – you know, foot-tall sides. And we uh, and we we raised uh, plants and and uh, mostly uh, vegetables and things like that in the summer. It's one of the, it was a fun fun time. It was a, it was a great uh, thing to be able to do. Um, I had I think six or six or eight of these uh, big raised boxes. They're done on sawhorses. Um, you put them up off the ground because the ground is cold. And uh, you want to be able to get them as warm as possible and get the sunlight. And so we always had it up against the building. So you got the reflection and, uh, you know, good drainage and everything else. And we had a great time. Every summer we had lots of fresh vegetables um, to choose from, uh, lots of greens. The greens obviously were one of the best things that came out of that. We did some tomatoes. We did zucchinis and did things like that. Uh, so I've always had an interest in that. Well, I came across a video the other day, um, and maybe we'll get these folks on the program to discuss it because I think it is uh, – I think it's interesting. And I think it—it it is something that we could all do, uh, whether in our garages or basements or wherever. Um, I saw a video from a company called uh, Eden, um, and I can't remember if that's the full name of their company or not, but Eden. Uh, and they work in conjunction with NASA on the uh, with NASA and other agencies on sustainable food programs for space for you know space exploration and things like that. And uh, they've created a aeroponic uh, system that uh, would allow you to grow plants in your garage, your basement, your family room, wherever. On these little racks, these little rolling caster racks. And uh, it was the coolest thing to watch. And they had some time lapse stuff where, you know, you, you plant, you put all the seeds in these little pods and they're air, the air, uh, um, 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 aeroponics means no dirt, no dirt at all. And it's not submerged in water, it's spritzed in water over a period of time. They've got these bags underneath of them and it sprays the water and does everything else. And in like four weeks, they were starting, five weeks, they were starting to harvest um, like greens, like, you know, arugula and lettuce and and Swiss chard and stuff like that. And I just thought that was the coolest thing uh, to be able to do it, Uh, especially, you know, here in Alaska, because I'll be honest with you. I came down from Fairbanks thinking I'm going to come down to Anchorage and we're going to get even fresher produce because that was always the complaint in Fairbanks is the produce wasn't fresh enough. And then we got down here and we realized, Oh, well, Fairbanks is actually a stop on the highway on the way to Anchorage. So the produce in Fairbanks is actually fresher than the produce in Anchorage <laughs> because man, I bought something and like the next day it was rotted on the counter. I'm like, what the actual, you know? So, yeah. So I would like to talk about that hydroponics, aeroponics, home gardening. Uh, you know, if you want to build yourself a little, uh, I mean, I love a green salad and, uh, we were making a lot of our own stuff, uh, and and this looks like kind of a cool way to do it. So I owe uh, I owe Jerrica that. Um, we'll 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 talk a little bit about that maybe here uh, in the near future. But I just wanted to share this video that I saw that was super cool. Let's go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
3: Hi, Mike. This is Jason going from Fairbank. Hello,
2: Jason. How are oh, you, my friend? You,
3: uh, yeah, I heard you found out all about uh, aeroponics. I was wondering if you could get your convenience. No, not right now. Email me that the, links, the link to that video. I'd like to see that.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll shoot you over a link to the video on the website and everything else. It's uh, it's kind of a cool thing. I mean, you know, that's uh, we know that's uh, what's going to have to happen in the future, especially in cold climates. And I know you've sent me information on um, how they, uh, you know, they they could do the indoor gardening all year round here in Alaska. Uh, I think it would be, uh, I think it'd be a, a a good opportunity. So yeah, no, I'll I'll see if I can send that over to you. Thanks so too. All right.
3: and I have some information for you too. You were talking about the raised plants, how you raise, mm-hmm. grow them on the racks. I know the folks out at the Poker Flat Research Range, the Rocket Range, north of Fairbanks. And what the, the range ma- manager does, because she, she grows tomatoes at home, is what they have, what they're called um, uh, cider rockets. You know, they're army surplus. They're the ones they fire from helicopters now. And they come in these wooden boxes and they've been stored in there so long, the propellant is uh, nitroglycerin and nitrocellulose. And plants love nitrates. And she, what she would do is, like you said, she'd put them on the ground in the sun and she would use those boxes because the nitrates had gotten into the wood and her tomato plants are growing like crazy. And you can also do that with old nitrate film stock or even, um, you know, any kind of nitrate fertilizer. And also, if it's kind of one of those one of those summers where it's kind of, or springs where it's kind of chilly, if you spray painted the boxes black to absorb sunlight, you know, to make sure the soil is good and warm, those are two easy ways to... Yeah give them a head start you know any kind of plant you're growing
2: yeah absolutely that's why we raised them up off the ground to get rid of the ground uh the seepage of the cold from the ground and we did have them painted a dark color so that they would absorb that that's a good call thanks jason i got time for one more quick call if we're quick good morning who's this where are you calling from
3: from yes, the yes sir Yeah, I was just calling in reference to ways we could probably uh, get some money back from these oil industries. Not aware if you know that uh, uh, Hillcorp owns not only uh, that company, they own half of the uh, OMSI, which is the boat company that provides all the cargo back and forth to the platforms. They also own half of the Heliport, which provides all of that flying back and forth, and they use all that as uh, tax shells write-offs and yeah we should be hitting them harder on taxes and we wouldn't have to worry about our pfds and losing all that stuff they make more money you know what i mean
2: i appreciate that i don't think it would reach the two billion dollar mark that brad talked about but appreciate it out of time folks we'll see you tomorrow have a great day all right well uh that's it my friends That is it. I appreciate you guys coming on board. Um, Thank you for being part of it. We will see you next week or next tomorrow. Next week. We'll see you next week. I'm taking the rest of the week off. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Any final thoughts here? Um, I guess I'll, I guess uh, that's about it. Most produce comes up the Alcan, not the barge. Yeah, no, that's what I said. I discovered that that's what was shocking to me. I thought I was going to get great produce in the Wasilla Anchorage area because I thought it came up over the barge, and then I realized later on, nope. Nope. <laughs> it, it, best, best produce is in Fairbanks, surprisingly enough. All right. Uh, thanks for coming in, my friends. We will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.